This is a hat trick podcast. Oh, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you remember your sex education? Was it helpful to you? Was it filled with scientific information rather than real practical advice? I'm Diggory Waite, and this is The Real Sex Education. Each week, I'll be joined by a guest, we'll impart our own sex wisdom, ask our own sex questions, and we'll go over all the things they don't teach you in school. To bring this all together, though, we'll need an expert. A sexpert, if you will. But the only sex and relationship therapist I know is my mum. Hello, mum. Hello, Diggs. In this episode... We speak to comedian, writer and podcaster Sophie Duca. This is amazing that you're doing it on your mum. I know that is the premise of the podcast, but yeah. We talk about tantric equestrian flirting techniques. Ride the horse, I'm the horse. Having sex during the coronavirus pandemic. Once there's a vaccine, I'll eat ass. And coming out to your mother and family during a show. She chose the start of the show as the time when she was like, no, I think I'll get myself a cocktail. And my partner was like, no. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Real Sex Education. I'm Diggory Waite and as ever, I'm joined by accredited sex and relationship therapist, Kate Campbell. Hello, Mum. Hello, Diggs. Now, usually I'd ask you how you were today, but every week Mum and I give sex and relationships a good going over with a guest. And this week, our guest, comedian, podcaster and all-round fantastic person, Sophie Duca, asked us how we were already in the interview. Wasn't that brilliant? It was so nice. Yeah, exactly. We don't usually get that. Um... As I say, we're joined by Sophie Duca, and oh boy, oh boy, do we have a good time. What did you think about the interview? Oh, it was really nice. She, she's lovely, and, and uh, it was such an interesting conversation. What I liked about Sophie as well is that she asked questions to you as a sex therapist, which mm. is good because it's something you can do as well, listener. At the end of each episode, we go through questions sent into us via email to podcast at hatchet.com, that's hatchet with two Ts, and via Twitter with the hashtag... Real Sex Edu, that's Real Sex Edu. So you can get your questions into Kate and we'll get them answered. But speaking of questions, we spoke with Sophie Duca and I asked her in true presenter fashion what she had for breakfast this morning. I've had some old smoothie. Yeah, excellent. You said it was brown, didn't you? Uh, yeah, it was brown, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was brown when it went into the, the mm, flask. Worrying. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of all colours of beverage. Of course. Uh, I just hope you make it to the end of this interview is all that I'm worried about, you know? Yeah, I think it might have been brown because I had coffee in it. I don't drink coffee, but I thought I'd like... Zhuzh it up. Zhuzh it up. And it really... the old Zhuzh Michael. Um... I feel, I feel (laughs) uh, so much energy from that, possibly... Um, how are you guys? Oh, you know what? You're the first person to ask that, I think. Um, obviously, I'll, I, I, will, <laughs> I will let mum answer that first. Oh, well, I'm very excited to meet you. Very, very excited. So can't mm. wait to get going. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just so excited that someone's asked how we are. That feels... You're just like, yeah. God, we don't... What, what do we say? Uh, no. Someone cares about <laughs> us. Okay, this feels, this feels incredible already. Anyway, Sophie, less about me, more about you. Are you excited to talk about your sex education? Yeah. Yes, I had to really 
plow back, like just figure out where it all came from. I don't think it all mm. came in one big dollop. I think it was sort mm. of sprinkled like yes. coffee over an old smoothie. Um, <laughs> yeah, through my past. I'm very excited to speak about it. Exactly. Yeah, we can we can hopefully get little bits and bobs of that and hopefully it won't turn, you know, the wrong colour by the end. <laughs> um, so let's get down in, into the nitty gritty of it then. Your, how was your sex education? Uh, I think my sex education was fine. Mm. I mean, it was weird. I don't know if mm. anyone... I don't know if it's possible to give sex education in like a school context and have it not be strange. I went to an all girls school. Mm. So the first sort of sexy education we had, (laughs) is that, is that what it's called? Sexy education? First sexy education you had uh, was when we were 10 years old. So maybe like year five. Mm. And like someone came in and was like, you're going to start your periods. It's going to like, I remember she held up an egg cup and was like, oh, it's going to fill it's gonna have like an egg cup full of blood uh, mm. but there was one girl in the whole year that had already started her period imogen so like whenever this one whenever this woman said anything about periods we were like she's talking about and like no one could concentrate because <laughs> everyone was like she's talking imogen has it like it was just not it wasn't something that people wanted yet no it wasn't cool we were just like she's marked by the beast she's bleeding <laughs> um so that was quite intense i think around the same time year five or year six we had the first like this is what sex is mm. and it was like a tr- it was like a first there was a naked family um what there was a, like a naked family it was like these little naked kids and then they got up and they woke up their naked mum and dad and you could see how they they looked different right because obviously the parents were massive and the kids were tiny but also yeah. they had like fully formed genital it was just it was just wow. like casual like we're naked mm. uh one of my friends fainted when she saw this film. Uh, <laughs> no way. Uh, and then I think it told us, like it kind of tried to tell us about insert, like penis in vagina insertion, mm. but not through the naked family, Thank through God. like cartoons that looked of sort of knockoff Postman Pat. They would have really weird big <laughs> noses. Postman Pat. So it was kind of like Jesse just by the window. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It God, was like Post and Pat and a random, <laughs> a random skit and Post and Pat. <laughs> oh, no. uh, and they sort of lay down, but it was completely animated. And it, it was, I caught, sort of had the impression that his nose was going inside. It wasn't oh. like, it was, I thought, I thought sex was naked hugging at that point. Mm. Which to be like year six. You know. But yeah, imagine if you got it bit. really, really wrong and you, and you had your first sexual experience and you put your nose in instead of your penis. It would just be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be even bigger in my case. <laughs> But this was the first one, but I did have slightly more information at some point in my schooling, but that was the first thing, which I thought maybe was a bit, not early, but compared to other people. Yes, yeah, so how old were you? When we learned about periods, I was in primary school, so I was, I think, 10, 11. Mm. Yeah. And the first video with Postman Pat was definitely in primary school, so I think you're six. <laughs> Did you reckon that was a good age then for you? Did you feel like that first couple of things set you up quite nicely? or? I don't know if 10, 10 does seem like a, a bit early, but I think... It, it's good to know what's going on with your body. Mm. Yeah. And if you're like fast at developing in other ways, it's kind of good to be like, I'm not just really Ill, like, Ill or something. Like I'd read mm. books about people having periods, but I didn't know what it was like at that mm. point. So I think it was good, definitely at least by then to be like, sex is, sex is coming. <laughs> Meanwhile, is it, is it Imogen? She's like, oh, oh girls, you got a lot coming. 
just dragging on a chocolate cigarette. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, I've seen some dark shit, guys. Um, amazing. So then, but then you you teased there that there was something more a little bit later on. Can you talk us through that? Yes. Yeah, so then we had actually we had like PSHE. Mm. Uh, and a part of that was sex education. And we got told that we were going to have like uh, a tutorial on how to put condoms on. Classic. There was like all these rumors about what it was going to be, whether we we're going to put it on bananas. Someone's like, we're going to put it on one of the male teachers, which obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stevens was like, right, everyone. Yeah. Big no, lesson it, today. I think it was a male teacher that held the session. I don't think he wanted to be there. I think he you. was just like a recent graduate. I, this is <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. But I found that session almost entirely useless. Mm. Um, we didn't have bananas, which kind of like had a bit of glamour to it because I got the sense that people did use bananas, but we used just these weird mod like anatomical models. What sort of age would you have been for that? 15, 14, yeah. maybe 14. I think like the male um, teacher thing is a bit immature, maybe. Yeah. So maybe 14. <laughs> yeah, but definitely yeah. not as soon as we got into secondary school. That We had to wait like a couple of years. And how many children has Imogen got at this point? You know, how oh. much, she's already, you know, how, she's already she's further. She's so up. fertile. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's exactly. what they say. The first person to get their yeah. period will become a mother of multitudes. That's what they say. Exactly. So talk me through discovering your sexuality. And, and what about coming out and being like, I'm queer? Yeah, yeah. And and what that looked like for you. So I think, as I'm sure you guys know, I think that coming out is like constant <laughs> that you have to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And I actually, um, I'd obviously, or not obviously, I'd experimented before and I'd had, I'd been like, okay, I feel like I'm definitely not straight. I'd like hooked up with girls. I'd done various things. But the only reason that I sort of came out to my my mum and my brother specifically was because I am a comedian and I have a sort of public platform and I was doing like gigs called like Clitorati or like <laughs> attending events yeah. on Facebook called Pussy Palace. Yeah. And I was like, I can't pretend that this is a cat cafe. I have to like, <laughs> like it's gonna, I don't also, they probably don't care or notice, but you kind of like, oh no, they can see it. They must know. And I didn't want yeah. um, <clears throat> my mum and my brother to find out from reading an article or seeing an event that I'd attended Mm. that I was queer I wanted to kind of own it and tell them myself Mm. but in my family we don't talk about sex so it's quite weird especially without having like a partner who is not a man to be like hey I'm queer because it feels like bringing up something that doesn't need to be brought up Mm. Mm. I think also because my family is like religious yeah you just don't talk about it it's like five years to be different but don't talk about it you end up living with fear Almost, what will people say when I tell them? And what you imagine is probably even worse than what actually happens. But 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 other people who don't who just who are cisgendered straight don't think about it. They don't have to consider their own mm. identification, and so they don't see what other people go through every single day. And not everybody does. It's not yeah, everyone. no, no. I think some people have had like great experiences. Mm. I like my mum was great. I was really scared to tell her. Mm. I told her in a show. As and I invited her to a show and to set it on stage. Yeah. So I was like, she can't interrupt. I've got to finish the show. How, in those in the moments leading up to that line or whenever it was, what were you think? What were you feeling? How was well, it? She she chose the start of the show as the time when she was like, no, oh, I think I'll get myself a cocktail. No. Um, <laughs> and my partner, who is a man who was there, was like, no. And she was Called like, why are you stopping me getting it? Like they always had like a fight at the back of the room because yeah. he knew that I'd been so worried mm. about telling her this yeah. thing. Uh, and he was like, just sit down and watch the start of the show. And she was like, I'll be right back. I'm getting a drink. Um, I think I could feel it. I could feel it coming, like, just sort of, like, cantering up to, like, 
having to say it in front of her. Mm. But I had so much adrenaline anyway, because I was doing like a full 40 minute show. Mm. So I just sort of plowed through and ignored it. And then when like afterwards I was like, oh, I've got to go up to her and speak to her. Mm. And um, yeah, I think it just doesn't matter to her. Mm. Uh, I do worry that because if I had a female partner, it would be more real. If I was like, I want to get married to this person or date this person exclusively, but she's been great. She's been great. We've spoke about it like a little bit since then, Mm. but I think it was just like in that immediate moment of telling her the kind of sense of acceptance and that it didn't matter and it didn't need to be, she was just like, well, pansexual, eh? And I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't really talk about it (laughs) that day. She just drove me home and we like took some pictures because she loves a selfie and it was just fine. It was kind of nice that, like it doesn't have to be like it's okay for you to be mm. yeah, it was just like okay this is That's information lovely. i'm very glad though because obviously as it was part of a stand-up set i was worried that you were going to say and then she came up after she's like and that joke about you being pansexual <laughs> 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 oh it had me <laughs> i was oh, all over the character you've been doing for yeah. the last five years <laughs> yeah, is exactly mwah. very convincing <laughs> We're obviously here with a sex therapist, my mother. I'm just wondering what you know about sex therapists. If you ever, if you ever did have a problem, would you consider going to one? Things like that. Or if you ever had ever had a question for, if it, like now that a sex therapist is here, is you, you're like, how, you know, how does this work? What does this do? Anything like that? Um, I think now, I think something you guys were talking yeah. about when you spoke to Darren about telling the truth in when you're speaking to a sex therapist or a doctor. Mm. And I I know that when I was recounting to some people about being assaulted, I didn't want to give them all the information because mm. I felt that I would be judged yeah. for like being at a club or like mm. certain like details of the yeah. like details of what happened. So I was just like, oh, I don't want to fit into that stereotype of like, you, oh, you think that I would attract mm. this kind of attention or I would want this kind of attention. Mm. But then that leads you to not getting, just not communicating like a crime that's happened or communicating yeah. what you need because you just like, or even sometimes like not wanting to come out or not wanting to say that you're queer because people will treat you differently. So you're kind of doing yourself a disservice, but also just not able to ask for what you want. Right, we're going to hold it right there just because Sophie mentioned there sexual assault and the the potential effects that it can have on someone after they've experienced it and Mm. she asked a question there about it but we didn't get to quite answer it no we sort of moved on didn't we yeah so i think now is the chance just after the fact that we can go back and and have a think about it so mum maybe with a view on your clients or just things that you've seen yeah what what are the effects that sexual assault can have on someone there's been quite a lot of research done on this so it's very easy to make someone sound pathologized and again I've written about this in my blog because we have to be careful not to say there is an expectation that this will happen to people automatically if they have been assaulted but it's but it's true that sometimes people hear somebody talking about what happens if you've been the victim of an assault and they think that that will inevitably happen to them and and that was alluded to in the conversation so i i would say you know you anything can happen really but sometimes people are so determined that they're not going to be affected having heard somebody talking about it or expecting something bad to happen that they become particularly sex positive and have quite a lot of sex and sometimes actually replay what happened to them 
as a way of kind of getting control. Now, that doesn't happen to everybody. It happens to some people sometimes. And sometimes they can have really, really great sex with a lot of people or not a lot of people or just the kind of sex they want. And it's all great. The time when you sometimes get problems is when they get into a really great couple relationship. And then when it really, really matters and it's the person they trust, then they find a bit of difficulty. And that's sometimes when people decide to go to counselling or something like that. And what what brings about that difficulty, do you, do you think? Well, it's often because they've been abused by someone they trust. So then when they're in a loving relationship with someone they trust, it comes back. It's, can I really trust this person? Is it is it going to be okay? And when you're, when you're not vulnerable, when you're, you know, having casual sex with people that you like but don't want to spend the rest of your life with, there's nothing much to worry about. You feel in control, it's great. But suddenly... There is vulnerability because you're with somebody that who's really important. And then you start to worry, is this sex OK? Am I all right? Am I normal? Did anything happen to me when I was abused? Should I tell them? Should I not tell them? It all becomes a bit more complicated. This this obviously is the effect of some people. What about people who I'm sure, and this would have been my thought, was, you know, they might go into their shell if they've been sexually assaulted. Is that is that what is there a... a a different avenue that happens with people like that. No, so some people definitely do avoid sex. But as sex therapists, we don't tend to see them so often because they avoid it mm. so well. Of course. Um, some people um, dissociate from sex because they've learnt to do that during the abuse or they've done that during the abuse. And so they may not even remember what happened to them and they, they can kind of switch off completely and some will even go off and have sexual experiences that they can't remember afterwards because they've just switched and some people can switch off or repress their arousal and orgasm as well and and that can happen too but it definitely doesn't happen to everybody and what's really important is not so much the abuse as what happens after the abuse I mean the being able to tell somebody and being believed and not being blamed as if it's your fault um that that's really important and that's often what contributes to a really positive outcome rather than some lingering issues. Yeah, dampening the effects as much as one can. Because mm. mm. um, you just imagine it must be absolutely terrible if you feel you can't tell anybody or you won't be believed. And some people are groomed not to tell. Mm. Um, so it's so that makes it very, very difficult as well. I mean, the, 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 the kinds of assaults that people often recover from the, the best are some sort of assault from somebody you don't know at all. So if somebody jumps out at you, it's pretty clear what's happened. But if it's somebody you do know, it's much more murky and people are much less likely to be believed and things like that. So so it's it's really difficult. It's really complicated. It's that kind of thing which can cause the, the long-term issues. So in the unfortunate event, if you were sexually assaulted, mm. what should you do? What should be the next steps that you should take? Well, if you're an adult and you can, then you tell a friend or somebody who you think will believe you. Get yourself to safety as quickly as possible. Obviously, we, we think people should report abuse to the police, should report report it as soon as possible. And there are there are several charities which are available to to provide people to help you and and steer you through the whole process of police and going to court and all of that, which is which is really really helpful. What what often happens though is that people don't talk to anybody at the time, and obviously if you're a child, you can't, and or some people don't even remember what happened to them. So some it can suddenly come up years later, and again I would suggest 
talking to your GP, one of the charities, the police or a therapist or all of those, even better. And definitely think about therapy because it's because people think that they have to go and repeat the whole event over and over and over again. And they absolutely don't. They really don't. I've worked with people where I haven't known at all what happened and we've successfully treated them. So you, they don't have to retell every step of the no. and relive all no, that No, they trauma. can if they want to, but but absolutely everything is geared at not making people relive the trauma. You see on TV, TV programs where people go and tell their story over and over and over again, but these days not so much. So I definitely wouldn't do that. I mean, most of us wouldn't do that with people. We we we, we keep it as as simple as possible. A link to those charities will be mentioned in the show notes and mum's blog. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think now what I'm curious about is a lot of like the missing gaps in my own sex education and also um, being like a queer person. Totally. I'm not sure like how this will fall, but I like, for instance, like I've been a victim of sexual assault Mm. and I don't know how that affects how I am sexually now. And it's something that's quite hard to talk about. I think there was, Uh, I think it was kind of, this wasn't what the conversation was about, but in this interview with Michaela Cole, she mentioned going to see a hairdresser who had said quite casually that all lesbians were like women that had been raped uh, and that they were, they were scared of men. And she was like, I'm not going to see this hairdresser anymore. But I think there's so many myths and truisms about people sexually. And I feel like I internalized quite a lot of that when I was little things that people say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess what I want to know is more, I mean, not in general, I'm not obviously like, tell me everything about it, but (laughs) I'm still really curious about the experience of like bi and pan people because it's not really anything I ever learned about Mm. and like ways that I could notice in myself that I might be acting. I think I was worried when I came out, especially because I was watching porn. And if you watch interracial porn, I don't know if you do. Uh, I talk about this in my stand-up. The black women are never the nice guy. They're very intense. They're very, mm-hmm. like, dominant. And I think I was worried about being predatory. Um, I was worried about... I didn't know how to be sexual in a way that felt comfortable for myself because all the templates were quite 
yeah, usually just like massively fetishized women that were enacting a fetish and not. That's so yeah. true. And it's, it's true in real life as well that just, just black women in general get this sort of super sexual and, and black men actually, super sexual sort of tropes about them that, they, that they're insatiable and really, really good at it. And, and, it's, and it's a horrible label to acquire before you even, you know, put your socks on. It's, it's, or take them off. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. well, precise, or not, <laughs> yeah. depending on your yeah. fetish. Um, yeah. But it's, but it, I mean, it, it it, it is something that really affects people and really affects couples too, especially if, if your partner shows signs of believing that at any point. Mm-hmm. I think some people find it re- really oppressive. Because it's, it's that horrible thing where as well, I think you can, it's the two sides of that coin as well, where there may be people, like, like yourself, you've internalised all these things. I think, I think you probably know they're ridiculous, but you still, it's kind of hard to get out the shackles, like you say, because there's no other template. It, you know, it, it's kind of hard to release yourself from that. And at the same time, there might be other people who don't think about these things that much, who will see all this stuff, see all those templates, and then put people in those boxes, and they won't be able to get out of those exactly. shackles That's as well. why yeah. school needs to be so, school and, that, and, and people talking to young people need to be so so normalising about everything and not, mm. and get right away from stereotypes if they can, or acknowledge that that's what they are. And that they're a little bit of a joke. So, Sophie, anything else you want to ask mum, a sex therapist, whilst you're here? Or just anything else you want to get off your chest? Um, I feel like, okay, so these there are some things, I think there's a difference between, like, with everyone, what you know you should do mm. and what is the right thing to do and what actually happens in practice. Mm. Like, for instance, dental dams. Yes. I genuinely don't know of anyone that's ever used no. a dental dam. No, no, neither have I. And that's a load of people said to me when they listened to the Darren Harriet episode, they were like, I'd never heard of a dental dam before. And I'm sure there's gonna be people like that in this episode as well. So mum, what are they? Dental dams are like a piece of condom, like you've cut out a, a little rectangle of condom, which you can use to as a barrier between your mouth and someone's body. I mean, it's such a, it's such a fun word. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, but I think people don't. I wish I'd been shown a dental dam, but I've never I've never used one. And I don't think I don't think it would be actually now I'd be like, it'd be fine if someone wanted to use them. Mm. They can, you can get fruity ones. The thing is they taste nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. The idea is to encourage people. And it's, it's true of so many things where, where people are giving a sex positive and a, a healthy sex message, knowing totally a hundred percent that no one's listening and that they're not going to do that no. thing. But there, mm. there you are. It's there if you, if you want it. Um, I think for rimming dental dams are quite useful. Oh yes. This mm. is, this is, I would also I haven't I haven't yet rimmed mm. and I think I would probably appreciate a dental dam because I'm quite I'm just I'm just quite a, I'm a babe I mean I don't know maybe I shouldn't I, well it's not being about shame myself no, no it's I not just, being yeah, about being a baby like a good, it's like yeah. like easing yourself into it exactly mm. I mean we have to remember the area we're dealing with here and uh, yeah. you know I mean, it should be all, clean exactly yeah. and we're all clean very health conscious right now it should be I think dental dams as you say easing yourself in or maybe just going forward it's still going to feel similar if not yeah. pretty much the same also I think if you're queer or if you're like sex positive people think that you I mean like people are like have said things like, oh, you give the impression, like something about your brand that people would think about you as like, oh, no, no, you know your way around a strap on or you love eating ass and mm. stuff like that. Mm. And I think 
there's a lot of like, yeah, eat ass or like ribbon stuff with no actual mm. information about how you do it safely yeah. or yeah, that exactly. it's fine to not want to do it. Yeah. So maybe that's my 2020 post lockdown. Once there's a vaccine, I'll eat ass. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 not. I, I want that on a t-shirt. Oh my word. That's incredible. Just go and stand outside the like research centers. Yeah, oh, just be no. like, look, we need a vaccine. We need it now. I want to eat ass. Oh, incredible. Mum, take those headphones off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's amazing that you're doing it with your mum. I know that is the premise of the podcast, but yeah. Yeah, it's, before uh, lunchtime, you've spoken about eating ass with your mum. I know, I know. And don't worry, I will go and make myself sick after this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it is a traumatic experience. <laughs> Sophie, I'm loving this so much. We always ask at the end of the show, how is it for you? Is there anything you've learned or anything you're taking away? How was it? Um, I think this has been like a very, a very pleasant encounter. Pleasant. It's kind of like, I feel like I, I feel very affirmed. I think I have, I think I'm constantly learning Mm -hmm. that feeling weird about something doesn't mean it is weird. Exactly. Um, And I think that I still, I still feel weird about sex. Like I feel weird, like when I sometimes when I have sex with my partner, I feel weird that I've sex with other people. I feel weird about talking about sex. I'm never really sure how open to be, mm. but I think it's yeah. This has just felt like a space where all everything goes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like and not in like a salacious way. Just kind of like the space for all those kinds of feelings, mm. and I don't have to like beat myself up over being like too grown to think about this kind of thing or having had to have figured it out no and you know what you say about it about it sort of being a, a work in progress not knowing how to to do I, th- I think that's so lovely because it's relational I mean what what works with one person isn't going to work with somebody else so you, so there is that constant just checking out just just checking what's okay that everybody should be doing it's a it, it's it's actually the way you you are respectful ethical and consensual and you you check things mm. out about about what you say as well as what you do. I think that's the perfect place to be. Absolutely wonderful. It's lovely. It's lovely. <laughs> this has been so much fun. I I love this word so much. Um yeah. so thank you so much again, Sophie. It's been amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Wicked. Thank you so much. It's the mailbag, send Katie Queries to podcast at hatch.com. It's the mailbag, send Katie Queries podcast at hatch with two C's. Hello there, I have a query for Kate. I would like to know when the real sex education mailbag starts. The real sex education mailbag starts right now. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Sophie Duker. What great fun we had. That was a great interview. Right, now it's the time for us to open our mailbox. It's your chance to have your questions answered by my mum, an accredited sex and relationships therapist. Just send in your questions to podcasts at hatch.com or on Twitter via the hashtag RealSexEdu. Now, we like to keep people's anonymity around here if they prefer it. Today is no different. Mum, we're kicking things off with Anonymous, who asks, I love my boyfriend very much, and we're planning to get married. We keep having terrible rows, where we call one another dreadful names and threaten to break up. The rows are always over something so trivial that we often can't remember what it got us started. How can we stop doing this? Yeah, I I think the thing to realise is that you're probably not arguing over something that's actually happening now 
weirdly enough, a lot of the really trivial arguments that people have are actually because they're triggering one another and they're remembering something that's happened to them a long time ago. So literally, you could remember being a baby crying for your mum, for instance, just Mm. that far back you could remember. But you don't remember it in your head, you remember it in your body. So your body feels... I need something from somebody and they're not giving it to me. And you look around and there's your boyfriend and he's sitting there watching the TV and you're doing the washing up and you think, there you are, that's what it is. And that's how those arguments start. They are triggers. Those sorts of memories are remembered in your body. And it's it's really common for couples to just trigger, 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 row, 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 and they haven't got a clue what it's all about. And it has to be stopped and you have to stop dealing with the content you know with the with the what the argument's about with the argument about the washing up or whatever it is and start looking at what you're actually thinking and feeling and what's actually going on for the two of you and what you intended because at some point people start assuming they know what the other one's thinking and there lies a lot of trouble you, you talk about that stuff like you know when it can go back so mm. far these things that are felt how do you how do you find that and is that stuff that really can only be fixed by therapy. That sounds like the kind of thing that you'd need to go and have a sit down with a professional to, to sort out. Well, you you won't be having you won't be having therapy about you know what happened when you were a few days old, probably because you won't mm. be able to remember that. So that won't be something mm. you can talk about. But what you can learn to do by yourself, as well as in therapy, is just to question what you're feeling and think. I've got a feeling in my body. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a feeling. and start to notice those triggers. And that's what we try to do with couples is to get them to notice the triggers. And then they can start dealing with what they do with the triggers. They have a choice Mm. then whether to have a fight or whether to think, what's this about? Do I need to go and have a cup of tea and sit down? So notice the triggers and watch the the emotions that come up after that and watch them rather than act on them. Exactly, you clever old thing, you. That's right. (laughs) Thanks, Mum. Excellent. So we have another question here from Katie who asks, I have never had an orgasm or had sex with a partner. I've kissed and I've cuddled and I definitely feel aroused, but I am really worried that I won't know what to do if I ever have sex. How can I learn? Um, so difficulty with orgasms is often very similar to the, the arguing kind of memory. People actually have quite a lot of control over their bodies and they can shut down emotion. So some people don't notice emotion in their body at all. They only notice a thought and they pay attention to that. And similarly, people can close down arousal if they feel it's a bad thing to be having. And there are all sorts of reasons why people don't want to be aroused or don't want an orgasm, usually because they fear being out of control. The other reason, of course, is poor technique or, you know, just not stimulating in in a way that will cause an orgasm. Um, so, so there's lots of ways of dealing with that. Practice, so touching your body and learning what, what makes it tick. Also, maybe some sort of relaxation or body work with a therapist mm. to help the person, Katie, get back into her body and really start experiencing it. How can she home remedy that, that relaxation? Thing? Is, it, is it things like putting on a candle or, you know, or I don't know. <laughs> putting on a candle. I don't know. <laughs> well, wearing one. Relaxes oh, people. This is so pretty. <laughs> yeah. um, 
Uh, yeah, relaxing is is really really good. But I mean, even just things like um, squeezing your arm and uh, or rubbing hands together, you notice feelings. And some people are really really bad at noticing feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, a really deep breath in and a longer breath out is a very good way of getting your body to relax. You can feel your pulse slowing down. That's that's really really helpful. But if simple things like that don't work, then I would consider some more serious therapy body work. One time I remember you talked about one of the techniques or experiments that you used to tell clients to do where you they got in the shower and they turned on the shower and they just thought about what how the water felt on yeah. their body and where it felt nice and all that sort of stuff and really just centered their brain onto their body and those feelings and mm. stuff. Is that a sort of exercise you can you do could in this similar way? You could absolutely do that. That's a really good that's a really good one. It's 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 a mindfulness exercise and all of the mindfulness mm-hmm. exercises are really good at getting you to um to notice what's happening in your body and your brain responds to your body too. And so um if if your body feels relaxed it's going to make it more relaxed. If if mm. your if your body is in a relaxed position the brain will say oh, oh, this is nice, have some endorphins and stop Mm. putting out horrible cortisol and adrenaline and things like that. Fantastic stuff. Well, I mean, it's such a shame, but that's all we have time for. Um, It's a big, huge thank you to Sophie Duca. A huge thanks to Kate Campbell. Thanks, Mum. Oh, thank you, Diggs. No problem. And a big thanks to you for listening. Get yourself here same time next week for some more real sex education. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Sex Education, which is hosted by Diggory Waite and Kate Campbell. The show is produced by Andy Goddard and Diggory Waite. The Real Sex Education is a Hattrick podcast. If you'd like to hear more podcasts by Hattrick, including Time Ghost with Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller, just search Hattrick Podcasts on your podcast provider of choice. This podcast is based on the real-life relationship between the host, Degree Waite, and his mother, accredited sex therapist, Kate Campbell. The show is therefore inspired by, but otherwise unrelated to, the TV show Sex Education. But yes, Degree does wish his co-host was Gillian Anderson. 